0: So good morning, and uh, we've been going through a series based on a book titled, Where Do I Come In and Joining God's Mission? Two weeks ago, we talked about our God, who is a God on the move, that our God is a God on mission. Last week, we talked about a church, we as a church, churches, God's church here on this earth is on the move. We as God's church are on mission. And the church is not on its own mission, it's not doing its own thing, rather it's on the mission of God. God's already ahead of us. He's gone ahead of us, and we're called to follow him and to join him in his mission. So today we have a reading from Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church during this time in history had lost God's mission. The Corinthian church had become corrupt. The world is broken and is lost, and sometimes people in churches go towards things of the world rather than things of God. And so Paul is here and writes a letter to this church and encourages the people that they are called to put their old creation behind them, to live out their new creation, to represent Jesus today here on this earth, and to represent his mission well in this world. So today we turn to the passage of 2 Corinthians 5, 16-21. And this passage encourages us to see what we do, but I think more importantly, why we do what we do. And so it tells us to look at things differently, and tells us to look at things through the lens of the cross. When I was at the uh, Christian Reformed Church North America conference in August, the Inspire Conference in August, it was in Windsor, and we went with a few others from the congregation, and we met hundreds of others from the denomination around North America, One of the speakers uh, on that weekend was Ed Stetzer, and he's a pastor and an author. And he preached on this passage, 2 Corinthians 5. And at that conference, he gave us four points during that message, and those four points impacted me. And I'm going to be using those four points this morning as a basis as we hear about this passage. And those four points are we get a new point of view We get a new perspective. We get to see new things. So we get a new point of view. The second point is that we are on a mission of reconciliation. God has reconciled us to himself, and he calls us to be on mission with the reconciliation which he gives us. We are ambassadors of Christ, and that ties very closely to being on mission with reconciliation. We're ambassadors of Christ. And we do all this, and we are all this, because of the cross, Christ's work on the cross. So let's read from 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, or 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So we're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to our God. Let's pray. Father God, Son, and Holy Spirit, We thank You for Your Word. And may we read Your Word not just for information, but for spiritual transformation. And may through this reading we begin to understand and live out how the cross of Jesus compels us to live out Your mission on this earth today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to dive right into these four points. And again, the four points of this passage are that we get a new point of view. We are a mission of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of reconciliation. We're ambassadors of Christ. And we're all this because of Christ's work on the cross. So as believers, we are given a new point of view. Verse 16 states, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That means as believers, we are given a new perspective. In our devotional readings this week, through the book that we're going through, there was a brief illustration about Michelangelo. The great Michelangelo was uh, once seen transporting this huge chunk of rugged rock through the busy streets of Florence. And as people watched him doing this, and they just kept wondering, like, why on earth would he be doing this and and give so much trouble and so much effort for something that's so ordinary and very unattractive? And so they asked him about this, and his reply was, because there is a person inside longing to get out. Now, eventually, from this huge, unattractive rock, Michelangelo sculpted his masterpiece statue called David. David. Michael An- Michelangelo had imagination and he could see a different point of view. So when we look at the church, when we look at people in this world, what do we see? Who do we see? Do we see what the people of Florence saw this huge unattractive object? No potential, no hope. Do we see the flaws, the brokenness, the ugliness? Are we able to see a different perspective deep within? The possibility of beauty, the possibility of hope, the possibility of justice. Paul states that we're we're not to see things from a worldly point of view. Rather, we need to begin to see things from a new perspective, God's perspective, now I think we or there's a difference between words that we use sometimes and there's a difference between the words visibility and vision. Because visibility is something in which becomes visible to us. We see it at face value. Visibility is how things are. Visibility is the current reality in which the church or which we as individuals are living in. Vision is how God desires it to be. Vision is what he desires for us to strive for. Vision is God's preferred future for his church and for his people. Vision is looking beyond what is visible and see what could be. See what God desires. See things from his perspective. So Paul here is saying that we have been given a new point of view of the world around us. We have this unattractive rock that we talked about, but something is wanting to get out. There's this unattractive world, and there's something desiring to get out. We've been given a new life, and on account of this new life, we have new eyes. So not just visibility, not just to see, but also vision, what could be. And so we have a new point of view. And because of that, we're called to live our lives differently, and also to see people differently. We see people and the world around us. We see Jesus differently because of this new life through Christ. Yes, the world that we live in is broken, it's sinful, it's lost. But having been given new life through Christ and vision of what God desires, we're called to see that hope, to see that justice, to see the beauty in this world. And we're called to see all this and God's people in a different way. We're not to see people as our enemies, but rather that people are enslaved by the enemy and in desperate need of a savior. We're not to see people as the drunk or the homeless person, or the schizophrenic, or the jerk, the queer, the sinner. And I think you get the point. Rather, we're to go beyond to what, of what God sees. We're to see the person hurting. We're to see the trauma, the person who is in need of grace, the person who is in need of mercy, the person who is in need of love and compassion, the person who is made in the image of God and needs a Savior as much as we all do. Luke 6, 28 Jesus himself states, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. You see, we can't hate people and reach out to people at the same time. It doesn't work. We're to look around us And see people as sheep without a shepherd. We're called to see people in a way that God sees people. In a way that he calls us to see his people. A new way, a new point of view, new eyes, new perspective. So verses 18 and 19, as we continue on, we're sent on a mission. And we're sent on a mission of reconciliation. Verse 18, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And verse 19, God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And that, that is the mission that we are sent on in this broken world. Reconciliation is a central response in these verses for the believer. God reconciled us through Christ. Verse 18. So reconciliation is God's mission. And we're joining him on this mission. We are his messengers. So what is reconciliation? Well, my previous years, my former years as an accountant, reconciliation was important. It was a process that ensured that two sets of records are balanced. In simple terms, just keep it very simple: reconciliation is balance. It's a balance. Not only in accounting, but also in our lives. It's a balance in relationships. And reconciliation is not about power. Reconciliation is the process of ensuring that relationships are balanced. At the fall, humanity's perfect relationship with God was broken. Through Christ, he came to reconcile the world to God and have us reconcile to God, reconcile to God and to one another. And even between God and us, reconciliation is not about power, but ensuring that there is balance to the relationship with him through Christ. Again, at the fall, there was that estrangement. Because, our, because of our relationship with God, Christ came to balance that, to fill the gap, so to speak, to fill the gap between God and us. So this passage this morning is reminding us of God's reconciling love through Christ. Christ is, is reconciling the world to God. And that's already occurred. Reconciliation is first about God extending reconciliation to us through Christ. Secondly, God has passed on this reconciliation for us to live out the ministry and to, to tell the message. And we've been included He's entrusted us in this journey. And we're now able to see the world from a new perspective, a new point of view. That this world, we included, are in need of a savior. We're in need of this balance, this reconciliation, to fix our relationship. And so now we can take part in this ministry of reconciliation And I think we're doing that. I think we're doing that in our communities, in our churches, in our nation, in God's world. And our God is calling us to do more, though. And this all ties into the next point, that we are ambassadors of reconciliation. We're ambassadors, and ambassadors, they represent an ambassador is a representative of a ruling authority, and don't get authority confused with power. But ambassadors representative of a th- ruling authority. An ambassador is a high-ranking diplomat who represents a nation or government. And often an ambassador is in another country living at the embassy and, and represents his or her home country in this foreign country. So ambassadors of Jesus Christ represent Jesus, and they represent his kingdom here on this earth. We follow our King Jesus in his kingdom work. And we represent our King and our Lord. We represent God's love and his grace. We represent his reconciliation. And we don't go out seeking power because that's not what God desires for us. Remember, he desires balance. But we're sent out as representatives, as ambassadors. Representatives of a loving, gracious, humble king. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we've been given quite the title because we've been given quite the task. As verse 20 states, we're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We are called to respond as being Christ's ambassadors of reconciliation. When we're called to be ambassadors, we're called to extend God's love and grace. God sends out ambassadors on behalf of a power, not rather... Not on behalf of a power tripping king, but on behalf of a loving, humble king. Now, as ambassadors and as ambassadors of reconciliation, there's often risk and it has its challenges. So, as ambassadors, we need to be intentional. We need to pursue reconciliation. And we need to pursue reconciliation through our thoughts, our deeds, In our words. So God desires us to be ambassadors through our thoughts, through thinking reconciliation. Our thoughts are to be centered toward Christ. Paul states this in another letter to the Philippian church Philippians 4, verse 8 Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And here, Paul is in this passage, as ambassadors of Christ, he's saying, don't think from a worldly point of view, but think from a godly point of view. As ambassadors of Christ, we pursue reconciliation through our thoughts, but also through our deeds. Again, in verse 8, Paul refers to the ministry of reconciliation. God, having been reconciled to us through Christ, leads to our reconciliation with others. C.S. Lewis states in his book, Mere Christianity, don't waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. So we're called to think reconciliation, but we're called to take it a step further, and our thoughts have to int- intentionally move into actions, into our deeds into our behavior. And so our actions and our behavior reflects God's love. As ambassadors of Christ, we need to pursue reconciliation through our deeds and actions. Our thoughts might be positive. They should be positive. But reconciliation has to be followed through with our actions, with proper behavior, with love and compassion and grace. As ambassador of Christ... We pursue reconciliation with our thoughts, our actions, and through our words. Paul says in verse 19 that Jesus has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And the message of reconciliation refers to our words and more so the gospel words. That God has reconciled us to himself through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our words are important. It was last week at one of our small group meetings that we were reminded that the majority of our words spoken are often more negative than positive. And when we talk negative, it is actually working against the message of reconciliation. Our negative talk works against the gospel of reconciliation. So we need to be intentional with our words and speaking out words of reconciliation. We need to bring words of reconciliation to those who have wronged us. We need to bring words of reconciliation to those we have wronged. And not just to the easy ones, but as Christ says to our enemies, those who are difficult to approach, those who we'd probably say, well, we'd rather not go there As ambassadors of Jesus, we bring the message of reconciliation to others. We reflect the gospel of reconciliation to others. And by doing so, we reflect a God of reconciliation. Learning what it means that God reconciled himself to us and learning how to reconcile to one another is mission. We improve our ability to tell others about reconciliation to God through Christ. And as we do that, we recognize how we too have been reconciled through Christ. So as ambassadors of Jesus, our words represent him. So how are we doing with our words? How are we doing with our actions? How are we doing with our thoughts? Finally, Our new point of view, the ministry of reconciliation and the ambassadorship that we're ambassadors representing Jesus Christ has a purpose, has a reason. It's all because of the cross. Verse 21, we read God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is huge. Original sin occurred in Genesis 3. That was that estrangement that occurred, that imbalance in our relationship with God and humanity. Adam sinned. And because Adam sinned, the original sin was then carried on into us. That original sin from Adam has been imputed to us. And we're all conceived and born in sin, and we all sin. Now, you might think, That's kind of the most unfair thing ever. And if you think that's unfair, that Adam's original sin has been imputed to us, well, you're right. It is unfair. But I'm going to encourage you this morning to accept this unfairness. Because just as the first Adam and his sin made us sinful, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, made us clean. And if you accept the fact that it is unfair that Adam's sin made us sinful, and we are completely sinful, we are sinners, then I hope you can also accept the fact that Jesus made you clean. And that's completely unfair as well. So I don't know about you, but I would encourage you to accept this unfairness. Because that is amazing grace. And I hope you see this. You see, our sins, not just one or two or three of our sins, our sins, all our sins have been put onto Christ. Jesus Christ has become sin for us. And his righteousness, so he's taken on our sins, and his righteousness has been put onto us. And so if you ask me, Christianity is probably the most unfair religion of all. But you gotta love it and be thankful for it. Christ's righteousness has been credited, another accounting term, but Christ's righteousness has been credited to us. Christ's righteousness has been ascribed to us, it's been imputed to to us, it's been put on us. We have been given what's called justification, and the best way to think of that is just as if I've never sinned. We've been justified through Christ. Colossians 1, in the following verses, we read, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. When God looks at us He doesn't see our sins. God sees Christ's righteousness on us. So I don't think we understand what it means for God to have come down to this earth, then to walk on this earth, walk towards the cross, and to die a sinner's death. All our sins have been put onto Jesus. And Jesus has taken God's wrath on him. On the cross, Jesus takes all our sins. Because of the cross, we take on God's righteousness. We are reconciled to God through Christ. Are you beginning to understand the power of the cross? Because I don't think we always do. And I think if we did, we'd ensure that we are Christ's ambassadors, seeing the world as broken, as that, perhaps as that lump of, of stone, And we would be on the journey with God in the ministry of reconciliation, sharing the hope of being a new person in Christ. People of God, next week we celebrate. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we have the opportunity today and beyond today to prepare our hearts, to prepare our minds, to prepare our eyes for this celebration, to see the new point of view, To reflect on the power of the cross. To reflect on the sins that we've committed. And all our sins have been put on to Christ Jesus. Reflect on the righteousness that has been put on to us. We've been made holy in God's sight. So have faith and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your one and only Savior. And let's gather together as Christ's ambassadors coming to the table of the Lord as one body, as one people, as one holy people. Yes, still sinners in need of a savior, but forgiven sinners on account of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel doesn't call us to do something so that God may save us. The gospel is God declaring to us that he has already made us right with him. The gospel announces what God has done for us through Christ. What a message and ministry to be believed and to live out and be sent out into this world with. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, our sins are so great, and yet your love and your grace is greater. And through your Son, Jesus Christ, and his love through the cross, we have been forgiven. We have been made clean. We have been made righteous before God. So we thank you for the cross and the power of the cross. And through the power of the cross and the power of your Holy Spirit in us, help us to see things not from a worldly point of view, but a new perspective. That we live in a broken, sinful world, but that that there's hope and grace through Jesus Christ. Turn our hearts to you to believe and have faith, knowing that you have reconciled us to you and that you call us to share this ministry of reconciliation with others. So we stand here before you and we offer our lives to you on account of the cross. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray, amen.